0: I take from 1 Corinthians a passage familiar to us. If I speak in the tongues of humans and of angels, but do not have love, I am a gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end." When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see only a reflection, as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love remain, these three, and the greatest of these is love. This section of Paul's epistles is widely known and repeated, especially at weddings. Like many well-known verses in scripture, it has largely become tamed to our hearing, even romanticized, and that is to our detriment. These verses stake a claim on love that is far beyond our simple romantic gestures. Love is the very sign of God's presence in our lives. Love is the evidence of living holy lives. Love is a state of being that is always in motion, giving, receiving, and perfecting the lover and the beloved through God's gracious love. In all that we do, every little thing, we must root ourselves in God's love for us and for the world around us. This is the very essence of Christian ethics for all of us. And it must become front and center in our lives if we are to indeed live out Christian ethics. Too often, we grow insular especially during these last few years. Our scope of love becomes perilously small. We begin only to love those who think or vote or act like us, therefore we make our minds and our hearts small and fearful. We react out of this fear and we begin to act out in ways that are not loving. They're unchristian, thereby undermining our own testimony in the world. The shame that begins to creep in us as we judge ourselves as broken and lost, it stifles who we really are. If we are to be effective Christians in this world, we must center ourselves in the type of love that calls much from us into service into the world. The church and the world are getting leaner. We're getting leaner as we recognize the ways that we've always done things are not working in the world anymore, not in the world we live in now. We don't have unlimited growing budgets and classrooms bursting at the seams. I wonder though, as our programs get leaner, will we also get meaner I truly hope not. As we pare down to the essentials of our faith, we can't slip into that narrative that some have in our faith that assumes that all criticism is abuse. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, let me never fall into the vulgar mistake of dreaming that I am persecuted whenever I am contradicted. None of us live as perfect Christians. And especially if we try to live out our faith in isolation. Christianity is a team sport. It is a community endeavor. We need each other to live together in love. And we have to be mature enough truly to engage with each other, especially when we disagree over something very important to us. This requires us to have knowledge of ourselves and who we long to be in the world. For Christians, we are to live by those two great commandments set before us with humility and integrity to the best of our abilities. All we are and aspire to be rides on our living these commandments, but are we willing if this cathedral is to live into the calling of God to be of service to the world around us, in this day, we will need to grow up and grow together, building trust in each other and faith in God along the way. This world is so torn apart and lost. And many of our churches resemble this same path of destruction. It's no wonder... No wonder young people are, living, are leaving churches in droves. Why would they stay in communities as fractured and partisan as the world around us? We must set a course together, rooted in love and compassion, that restores the humility and integrity essential to our Christian living. To that end, I will be leading a book series during the rest of Epiphany and Into Lent on Brene Brown's revelatory works, Daring Greatly and Rising Strong. Brene Brown trained me at the first training of clergy in the country in what is called The Daring Way. The Daring Way is a course in learning about ourselves and how we live and work and operate in the world based on the messages we have been fed by our families of origin, through our workplaces and in the culture around us. She posits that the shame taught to us throughout life holds us back from living the wholehearted lives we want to in the world. And her 25 plus years of research into what it takes to overcome this shame produced a pattern for resiliency that can actually be taught and cultivated in individuals and in communities. I am so excited and grateful to be able to introduce this work to the cathedral and I believe it will help us find a healthy foundation to build healthy relationships upon so that we might be our best selves in the world God is calling us to. The good work begun in the creation of koinonia got caught up in the crucible of COVID and clergy change, and the vagaries of this time. The resulting baggage precipitated the need to transition the work being done to committees and ministries throughout the cathedral. The work of learning and living into ways of racial justice and diversity and inclusion are important to all of our ministries in various ways, but they must be central. I have asked and our vestry responded by adopting a statement of intent that sets a high priority on justice, diversity, equity and inclusion in our work as a vestry and also in all of our committees. Finding ways to serve and involve marginalized communities in our various ministries and just showing up to sit and to listen and to learn. We have so many opportunities through our diocese, through the national church to learn and practice anti-racism in all of our lives. Friends, our future depends on it, literally depends on it, and our children are watching us They're learning which gospel we follow as we make decisions every day. Together, we will prepare to engage in the National Church's sacred ground curriculum, which hosts honest, small group discussions and teaches much to white people that we have never learned in our white culture. As we learn from each other and trust each other We will be able to then tell our own stories, share our own points of brokenness, share where racism has hurt us as well. In those vulnerable moments, those relationships will give us the power and the trust and the faith to step into what God is calling us to. we will in the new year offer times and opportunities to break bread and work alongside each other and communities of color throughout our uh, throughout the Asheville area in order to help begin this trust as we look to our future a pressing need in our community in many communities is quality child care affordable quality child care for all. Just since I've been here, I've had several folks ask me, in this very neighborhood, does the community have a daycare? Is there none in the village or close by that are affordable? We stand at the intersection of three major institutions that could benefit from such a project. Think about all who work at Asheville High, Biltmore, Mission Hospital, think about their childcare needs and how close we are. Now I want us to take a deep look at how we can help thousands of people working within a mile of this place who have no access to affordable quality daycare. We can be a help to those people. We have an unhoused population who come to our very doorsteps every day And we alone can't provide for their various needs, but partnering together with groups like Be Loved, Homeward Bound, ABCCM, we can help the helpers. We can help the helpers. Those who are on the front lines every day, exhausted by the work that they do, need people coming behind them and supporting them helping to find the holes in our social safety net that we can help repair by advocacy, voting, and showing up to a city council meeting or, commission or county commission meeting and saying how important these issues are to us, even if they do not directly touch us. We have such a rich liturgical life. Within these walls. And the handmaid of our worship of God is our music program. Kyle Ritter is a treasure not only in this cathedral or city or diocese, but to the whole church. You cannot imagine how many people, friends and colleagues of mine from around the country, when they heard I was coming here, congratulating me for working with Kyle. It's true. Kyle and and I also share this same sort of passion and worry over the fact that so few schools have sacred music programs anymore. We are concerned that our gift of Anglican choral music, our tradition of amazing organ music, will not last, frankly, just for lack of knowledge. So in discussion with Kyle, we'd like to begin an internship program here at the cathedral that will offer assistance to him as well as unparalleled learning for music students from local colleges and universities organ performance, choral performance, conducting, composition. Every time when I was doing campus ministry, I ran across a kid who knew how to play the piano. I was like, don't you wanna learn how to play the organ? (laughs) You'll never want for work as long as you play the organ, right? We who have this tradition and this quality and level of music need to be passing it along to the next generation because we owe it to future generations of the Episcopal Church, to share the treasures that we have, and to cement the legacy of sacred music in this place. As David Jordan said, within our membership, we need folks to volunteer, to learn the systems within our campus, within our physical plant, so that we broaden our knowledge of how this place works, beyond one beloved man who has worked tirelessly for so many years, David Fortney, who has this repository of knowledge, but also this can-do attitude and availability that is unparalleled. We are so grateful. We have engaged uh, a cleaning company this year to take this part of the modernity of his tasks off his plate, and uh, we are also um, going to be asking individuals and ministries to provide the 10 a.m. coffee hour on Sundays as well, an opportunity for us to gather one for another to maybe highlight our specific recipe that is so fantastic. I like lemon bars, by the way, just saying. But each one of us, each one of us, can offer something of ourselves. Um, You may have already noticed that a welcome committee has been formed that is revamping the greeters' ministry. And so we have people who are willing and able and skilled at offering a happy face to those who come in and a helping hand to those who have never been here. Every one of us can help in some way. And as we do, we become more and more a part of this place. It is always the strange situation in cathedrals to be a congregation inside of an aggregation, right? The congregation of people who know and love this place, who have long-term history here, who have made relationships here, who rely on this place. And then the aggregation of people who come in because they're here for vacation, they're here visiting family, they were just wandering by, they might need a respite from the world that they are living in. That aggregation is incredibly important to us as well. And so the more we turn outwards with the love of God, the more we are able to receive those into this congregation so that we make intentional relationships. For our congregation, we will be using a new database this spring. It's called Realm. Now, for those of you who are bored to tears with databases, let me just say that we're updating from something from a product that was uh, circa 1996. Right. So it's, it's time. It's time to make the update. This also will give individual members the ability to sort of curate your own profile. So we can make sure through your knowledge and your ability to get online that we have the most current data on you. We also can help group individuals by things like, I like to teach. I like to hike. I'm uh, I'm in this particular uh, ministry or club and be able to curate groups within this parish in a very different and intentional way. I'm excited about it. It'll be rolling out, and we're thinking probably be able to show up for prime time for the congregation beginning of May. Takes a little work to move the data over, but do be, uh, be, be awaiting that. We are so grateful for the education that happens here all the time. Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, Mickey, who literally trains people from around the country in this type of education. My hope is that we can also help her broaden her gaze to how we are formed as adults as well. None of us escape the need for catechesis. Every one of us is constantly urged to become better disciples by knowing ourselves, knowing the world around us, and engaging, stepping up, stepping in. As we come into this new year more able to gather together, we will become better disciples just by being together, but also by curating our time together on Sunday mornings. I'm so grateful for this vestry, for those who are rolling off of vestry, for those who are coming on, for the constant desire to make this the best possible place of worship and to reflect each and every one of us as we leave this place, Jesus Christ, in our community. What I see in our future is a strong relationship built on trust and love through Jesus Christ. A relationship that so fills and moves us that together we can literally change the fabric of life here in Asheville for so many of our brothers and sisters. In the presence of this great love, I imagine only a few will wonder anymore what goes on in that big brown building in the corner of Biltmore Village. Let us ask God to make our light shine in this hurting world so all know that they are welcome to work and worship and play alongside of us every week. Amen. Amen. God speed to us in twenty twenty three.